up, guys, and welcome back to the Diamond Basketball Podcast. I'm Caleb, and I'm joined once again by Amir, because that is the usual for this episode, because we always do two people on one episode. That's right. Two podcasters, one podcast. What episode is this? Episode 22? No, actually, I finally looked at it, and we're on episode 20, so we're finally on number 20. Oh, we just said 20? Okay, well, we're at episode 20, so Amir, why don't you get and tell the great people what we're going to be getting into today? Welcome back, guys. As you know, I am Amir. Um, I am ready for another special episode. It hasn't been long since we have missed you guys, but um, but we obviously do miss them, right, Caleb? You, you know we miss them. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Well, I definitely missed you guys, and one thing I missed was talking about all the fun stuff that's been going on, and there's a lot of stuff that's been happening this week, but we're going to get to it all. Uh, just a quick little rundown. We're going to get to some super hot teams as we usually do. We're going to hit our Kings and Celtics crib in their corner. And then we're going to obviously go to the buy or sell. Once again, the fan favorite buy or sell. We'll finish it off with some some very hot rookies this week. And then, as usual, we brought back a very, very special segment. Caleb's favorite segment, the Hell No segment. Hell No. Well, let's get right to it, Caleb. Um, I want to talk about a team that has been blazing hot. You feel those fingers? It's on fire. And you know who's on fire? Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are now at 11 wins in a row. Caleb, did you expect the Utah Jazz to win 11 in a row at any point this season? Or did you even expect them to be the team that has the longest streak of any team? Absolutely not. There's no way, like, if you would have told me after the first two games that at one point this year they are going to have the best record in the NBA, I would have laughed. I would have laughed at you and said, no, come on. But, no, they right now as it sits, they have, what, 15-4? and four? They have the best record in the league, 11 straight wins. They are clicking right now, and they look really, really good. Gobert is playing really, really good. He's doing stuff that's not just blocking shots now. He's actually making a lot of passes. Did you watch the game the other night against Dallas? It was on ESPN or TNT. Yes, I saw a little bit of that game. Um, I thought <laughs> that Dallas was just completely getting blown out the water. And Utah stepped it up. I believe Donovan Mitchell wasn't even playing that game, correct? No. Yeah, and they've been winning without Mitchell. And one thing I wanted to ask you, Caleb, is there any question right now whether Donovan Mitchell is the best player on that team? Because they look good without him. I mean, it, obviously, it's early in the season, and, and they're beating up a, a, a beat-up Dallas team that hasn't been playing very well. Um, they also beat the Knicks this week, which, you know, the Knicks are kind of falling back to earth. But, yeah. hey, I mean, that's still three wins in a row this week, and they've won, they've won two of them without Donovan Mitchell. So what do you think? Do you believe that, that maybe he isn't the best player on that team? I still believe it's Rudy Gobert. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I still think he's the best player on that team. Come playoff time, though, it'll have to change because we know that Gobert yearly gets played off the court in the playoffs. But as far as it goes right now this season, I'm still sticking with Rudy Gobert being their best player. I know it's a hot take, but I really like him. But at the same time, Mitchell, whenever he does play, is just absolutely on fire right now. I've This is probably the hottest he's looked in a non-bubble setting, you know, the Mickey Mouse setting. It's a little bit different. We got guys like TJ Warren putting up 40 points per game. So, yeah. We don't really look at those numbers too much, but right now this is probably the best he's looked in his NBA career. I agree. And one thing I want to say about that was you can tell who fired that team up and who really fired Donovan Mitchell up. That was Shaq because as soon as Shaq made those, no, plans, it was COVID. they were already on a streak. And then all of a sudden 
they decided to pick it up even more. One player that you mentioned earlier this year as your sixth man of the year was Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson has been playing out of his mind lately. He's been averaging 17.9 points per game, two assists a game. He Now he's not a guy that's really going to play make, but he's a guy who will score the ball. And he's been doing it in 25 minutes. So I thought he's played extremely well. Um, and another guy that I think is playing really well now is, is Boyan. Boyan Bogdanovich is playing a lot better. He started off the year struggling a little bit, trying to find his role. He missed the bubble last year. He was out with an injury. So it took him a little time to kind of find his rhythm. But now I think Boyan's playing really well. I think your guy, Jordan Clarkson, is playing really well. And he could easily win that sixth man of the year now because, hey, if Jordan Clarkson is playing this good, I don't know any other six man that can keep up with him. There, Guys like Lou Will have been struggling. Um, you have guys like Montrez Harrell who have been decent, but he hasn't been great. And you have, what, other guys like Serge Ibaka, who has been very nice with the Clippers, but not at the level Jordan Clarkson's been. Mm-hmm. Utah has been on a streak lately. And another team that has been on a little bit of a roll, Caleb, is the Houston Rockets. The, the James Harden-less Houston Rockets. And I thought that they have done a hell of a job. They've currently been on a five-game win streak. And, and they seem to have found their ground right now. They're 9-9 right now and finished – This week, obviously, five in a row, they won the last three games this week against Washington. They blew them out the water. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that game. They beat the Blazers, and then they lost to the Pelicans yesterday. Or they, Sorry, they beat the Pelicans as well yesterday. So not really three great teams, but but they are doing some things right now. And I think that that's exciting. Um, I think Oladipo is kind of finding his role with that team. He looks a lot more uh, ready to play. John Wall being back is huge for them. And people underrate how good John Wall is. And and that roster just looks good. Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins off the bench. DeMarcus has played a lot better. And I'm excited to see what that roster can do because guys like Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, I thought they were going to get checked out. I thought they were going to be like, nope, I'm out. I don't want to play here. But Mm -hmm. hey, they really have seemed to find it. What have you seen from them, Caleb, that has excited you? I really like the way that John Wall, Victor Oladipo, and Christian Wood have played together in that one game, that first game they got to actually all play together. Um, Rockets fans came up with a cool little nickname, the Wow Era. You know, Wall, Oladipo, Wood. It's a fun little nickname, but Oladipo in that first Oladipo in that first game where they were all three playing. It's not better than Sexland. That's a historically great nickname, but Oladipo in the first game for Houston's big three. We'll put that in air quotes. Um, had a 25-5-5 game with zero turnovers. That's the first one for the Rockets since 2018 with Chris Paul. Um, they look good together, and I understand it was their first game together, but they, it looked like they had instant chemistry, which was kind of weird because I don't think any of those guys have ever played together. I, I'm No, I'm, I'm 99% sure they've never played together. So it's kind of weird how they all like clicked instantly, but they look good. Um, John Wall being back is massive. And when they played that, I know you wanted to talk about that DC game, so we're going to get right into that. But, man, Westbrook is worse than Wall. I'm just going to come out and say it. I think it's stating the obvious right now, but it's I don't think it's very close either. I don't think that's a hot take either. And I agree with you. I mean, if you look at the way that Washington is playing, obviously they're 3-11 and 11 right now. Not great at all. Um, and they, they need help. They need all the help they can get. Russell Westbrook is, of course, putting up the stats. He had 19 points, 11 rebounds, and seven assists in that game. But he went home with the loss. And John Wall ended up with 24 points, five assists, two rebounds. Those stats don't really scream as much at you as far as a triple-double stat or a close triple-double stat. 
but John Wall's played a lot better. And John Wall and Russell Westbrook actually got into it the last game. Um, and Bradley Beal was just watching it. There's a video of it. If you guys have a chance, go check it out. Uh, they're kind of getting into it. And Bradley Beal's just staring soulless at both of them. And he's not defending anybody. He's like, it's kind of like he had a really, really good ex, a beautiful ex that he had a great relationship with. And they just had to break it off because it took so long, so many years, and something just went wrong, right? And they just broke up. And he's with this new girlfriend who was flashy as well, but her, her glamour kind of went away for, through these years. She's gotten older. She's a little bit more washed up. She's kind of like Lamicky, right? So when you have a girl like that, it's kind of like, wow, man, I kind of miss my old girlfriend. And you're not going to defend your new girl when they're fighting. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how Bradley Beal felt. And he was like, I'm, I'm over this. I'm out of DC. We'll talk about Bradley Beal in a little bit. But going back to the Rockets, Again, John Wall's been playing extremely well. All the depots really finding his role with that team, as I mentioned earlier. And I think Eric Gordon is is really stepping up in that six man role. I, I think at first he wasn't very happy with it because he's like, dude, why am I gonna be a backup shooting guard to a team that's not even very good, right? The team that sucked, it was bottom in the West. But they're finding their way. And right now, the Houston Rockets are a playoff team. Do you expect them to stay in the playoffs? Do you expect them to make the playoffs this year, Caleb? Honestly, I bet against John Wall coming back being good. So I'm not going to bet against him again. I'm going to say that they can get in because I, I feel bad if I go against him again. Plus, they just they look really good. They look like they click together. And plus, Steven Silas is actually a decent coach. Like He's not bad. Like A lot of people, I think, kind of wrote them off. as like, oh, rookie head coach, John Wall coming back, Oladipo, some people love and hate him. Um, and Christian Wood, they, they love, but I don't know. Centers are capped. We've been over this. But a lot of people kind of wrote them off as soon as they traded away hard. And they're like, okay, there it goes. But P.J. Tucker looks like he bought back in. Like you mentioned with Eric Gordon. Looks like he he bought into the six-man role. They look like they're good. And they have a decent team. And I was talking to people on the Dimers Podcast Twitter account, Rockets fans, talking about how the Rockets always seem to find amazing talent in the undrafted free agent pool and then late second-round guys. They always seem to find guys like that. Daniel House, you know what I mean? And – they have that one rookie this year. When I was talking to him about those rookies. Mason Jones was brought up, the rookie out of Arkansas. He was an undrafted guy, and he has he got one start, and he scored 16 points in it. And just the way that the Rockets seem to find this value, top to bottom, every single year. And it's weird because it's not like the same GM is there this time. Like, Daryl Morey's gone. They brought in a new GM, and he found Mason Jones and um, Jay Sean Tate. They've been giving him good minutes. Rockets are very good, and that might fall in on coaching. You know what I mean? Coaching might have something to do with that. And they look good. So I'm going to say that, yeah, they can get into the playoffs. And I'd like to see them in the playoffs. I agree. I think they can easily make that playoff spot if they stay healthy. And that's always the big if. Oladipo has had trouble staying healthy this year and in the past. Uh, you have guys like DeMarcus, obviously off the bench. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries. The biggest question to me is John Wall. If John Wall can stay healthy, that team is absolutely a playoff team. Christian Wood just recently sprained his ankle and it looked bad. But luckily for him, he it's not too bad, and he ended up coming back. So um, that team is exciting. I'm I'm going to keep an eye on the Houston Rockets. And for those of you watching, Houston Rockets fans, um, let us know what you guys think. If you guys think Houston can make it, I'd probably see them around a 6-8 to eight seed. Um, and maybe they can surprise us. But that's really where I see them capped off at. And honestly, another team that has been yeah. capped off right now is the Dallas Mavericks, Caleb. 
Dallas has been uberly, uberly struggling, Caleb. And Mavs fans, don't get mad at us because, hey, I'm not going to be the one to say I told you so, but Caleb, say it. We told you so. We told you guys. And Dallas has been extremely struggling. Uh, They've played the Nuggets, the Jazz twice, and the Suns this week. And they've lost all four games. Denver has been playing a lot better, but that was a tough loss. Um, you mentioned earlier about the Utah game. They lost both games in double digits. They lost both of those games, Caleb, by a combined 23 points. Um, and then even against Phoenix, they were up the entire game. I wasn't watching too much of it, but I was keeping my eye on it. And they lost again. They gave up that lead in the third quarter, and they couldn't come back. Phoenix took over. They took over in that fourth quarter and put that stamp on the page, and they won that game. And Dallas has been struggling a lot lately. What are your thoughts on on what's going on in Dallas? I know Porzingis is coming back and he looks like dog water, but what is going on on that team? Just, I I think it's a lot of it is on Porzingis. I think they kind of bought into the idea that he was going to be back this year, back to what he was with New York and everything would be fine. And um, that's not the case so far. I mean, Luka's still putting up like almost 30, 10 and 10, but at the same time, He's not getting really any help from anybody. I mean, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is having a decent-ish year. But when that's your second-best player in the Western Conference, you're not going to go too far. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to struggle a lot. And, I mean, we see them struggling right now. You had – what was it? I sent you a picture during the during the Jazz and uh, Mavericks game, and they were down 44 to 19. How do you fall down that much? It's – it's concerning that they can't get anything going. And even when they have a lead like they did against Phoenix, it doesn't matter. They still choke it in the end. And it's, I don't know. They have a lot of stuff to figure out there. I think like a lot of stuff. I don't know why people were placing them as the second seed in the West. That seems so ridiculous to to put them there. Well, we called it at first. We told you guys, we don't see Dallas finishing up there. Even with the healthy Porzingis, we didn't expect Porzingis to come back this fast. And he came back earlier than expected and still is looking extremely rough one person who's super upset about this going on right now is Luka Doncic and let's hear what Luka had to say evaluate uh y'all's play and effort tonight terrible can you elaborate there's really not much to say but you know uh I never felt like this and we gotta do something because this is not looking good and you know we gotta step up and, you know, just talk to each other and play way better than this. It's mostly after. There's Luca, Caleb, extremely upset with this team right now. And I kind of want to ask you, is he being any bit spoiled at all with his response, saying as far as, like, this is not looking good and um, he's never really had to deal with something like this? Is that kind of just being like, okay, man, you, you had a good year last year. Don't get ahead of yourself. You're still 20 years old. Um, you're a very good player, but you have plenty of time in this league to get good. You got to relax. Is that more of a thing or, or are you okay with it? And you're like, you know what? I, I wish more players were like that and, and really stepped it up and said, yeah, we, you need to, you need to be held accountable. Our teammate needs to care about losing games. They need to care about wanting to win. And right now they don't. I definitely think it's fine what he said, because I'm definitely in that market of like, Somebody has to step up as a leader in the locker room. And I'm not going to mention another sport, another team that we need a leader in. But, you know, with, with Dallas, 
I, I like that he steps up and he's basically like, look, I'm putting up 29, nine and nine and I need help. I, I can't do this all myself, but he didn't like single anybody out, which I like. He didn't like point any fingers at anybody because when you point a finger, you know, you got three pointing back at you. Fun fact, but you know, he, he's really reference a gun shooting at somebody. No. When you point a finger, you got three pointing back. See three, one, two, three. That's a gun. No, when you point a finger, you have three pointing back. See? Three fingers, and then the one pointing. Oh, I thought you meant like, like you see how I have three fingers pointing back at you right now? Like, pew, what's pew, wrong pew. with you? Why are you so violent? I thought you meant like, pew, 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 pew. It's because you live in California. Like that thug Tupac. All right, back to me now. So, but I, I like that he stepped up and didn't point any fingers, didn't single anybody out, but like the players that are struggling, <clears throat> Christoph, you know he, you know he took that right. You know he had to realize he was talking about him. I wish more players would call people out like that, not specifically, but call out a team and say, "Look, we need to figure it out. Like something needs to change." I'm all for it. I, I love that he said that. I like that he said that too. I did want to bring that up just because there are some things about Luca that can come off as a little stuck up. I would say, and 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 it's okay. I think at some point you have to realize that. He's super young. Um, he's he was given all this hype last year, and a, a little bit of the problem to me is once again the media. The media overhyped the heck out of this kid, and they were like, "Man, Luca's gonna end up being this and that. Luca's gonna end up winning the MVP already." And that was so absurd to us. We talked about it. Yes, Luca is an MVP caliber player, but can he carry a team the way a LeBron James can carry a team? No, the, the expectation of him to be like LeBron and carry a team at such a young age is a little excessive. Especially this early. Like, it was like, what, year four for LeBron whenever he, like, fully carried a team? And, mm-hmm. like, it's only Luca's second year. Like, it's kind of absurd to put that much pressure on him. And then, and then it goes back to what we said with the word potential in our last episode, right? They said he has the potential to carry a team to the second seed in the West, lead him deep in the playoffs. So now whenever he doesn't do that, but he averages 29-9-9 and nine, and they make, like, a six seed or something – People are going to say, what was a failure season for Luca? Was it really a failure season or was he just progressing at the rate that most second year stars do? You know what I mean? Like a good player. It's, it's, uh, I'm not going to get too started on the word potential this episode. I'm sorry. Yeah, we talked about that already. And Dallas has been struggling, Caleb. The main thing with them that I see as an issue right now is they don't have enough shooters. Um, I said it earlier in the year and a lot of people thought I was overrating it, but trading Seth Curry away was one of the biggest mistakes Dallas could have made. Um, I thought Seth was a really good piece with them last year. If you watched him in the bubble, he played extremely well. He was their one guy that Luca could kick it out to. And right now they don't have any shooters. So Caleb, I want to throw a trade at you right now. And you tell me what you think about this trade. Now I get it. There's a certain team I always involve in these trades, but there's a reason for it. So just hold on. The Dallas Mavericks trade away Tim Hardaway Jr., who's on a one-year contract, and James Johnson, who's also on a one-year contract. Correct? Yes. They receive Buddy Heald and Corey Joseph, who's on a two-year deal, but Corey Joseph's deal is a partial guaranteed after this year, so you can cut him after this year. So it's pretty much trading... Buddy Heald for Tim Hardaway Jr. He's expiring this year. James Johnson expiring this year. And they also get Corey Joseph, who is going to be expiring in two years. But he is going to be non-guaranteed after this year. So 
Do you like that trade? Do you think that trade makes a difference for them? What are your thoughts on it? I think it would help them out. I, I do think it would help them out. But he's starting to really turn the corner. Um, if you take away the slow start, he's really been a pretty good player recently. And I think Dallas would be elated to be able to get him. It just comes down to I don't know if the Kings are getting enough back. Well, if here's the thing. Sense. I would say, obviously, now here's the thing. That's where the trade makes sense money-wise. Yeah. Here's the twist. Dallas would have to give up a first-round pick, protected. You can put that at top five protected, top ten protected maybe. I would say both should do the deal then because here's the thing with, with Dallas. They have all these expectations for Luka. They're going to have to sell out and kind of put the pieces around him to reach that level. Um, will they do it? I don't know. But a deal like that where you bring in Buddy Hilton, where their biggest need is shooting, you bring in one of the, one of the better shooters in the league. He's a top five shooter in the league. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. Percentage-wise, might not be there, but he got off to a really slow start. So debate a wall on that. I think that that would help them out tremendously. And plus with Sacramento, what they're trying to do is a 28-year-old Buddy Hill really part of your future. You know what I mean? Like he's older. You got to think he might have just been drafted in 2016, but he's, he's, he's a veteran now. He's a league veteran. And, you know, it, I think both sides could benefit from that. If you can get a first for him, even if it is protected, you're getting a first. You know what I mean? Like – when we traded Jeff Green to the Grizzlies, I know this isn't the same thing, but when we traded Jeff Green to the Grizzlies, their first-round pick finally conveyed last year, and we traded him in 2013. That was seven years down the road we got that pick. So you never know what the pick could turn into, when it could turn into your pick. But, yeah, I, I would say that both teams should do that. I think that's a very fair deal. I know people are say, but Tim Hardaway Jr. has been good this year. Yeah, but Buddy's better. Buddy's an upgrade. I don't think it's, I don't think it's really close, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I would do that deal. If I was both teams, I'd say, yeah, it's a good deal. I think Hardaway's played well, but again, you need a guy that's going to be that shooter, that consistent shooter, and Buddy's been a lot better. And yeah. I understand Buddy's making a little bit more than Tim Hardaway Jr., but Hardaway Jr. is expiring this year. That's not a long-term solution anyways. They're going to need to get somebody else, and Luca's going to start getting more upset if he doesn't get a player on that roster that can help him out, that can be a shooter on that team that he can kick it out to. Right now, He's kicking out to guys like Maxi Kleba. He's kicking out to guys like Jalen Brunson. You know, that, that's not enough. Trey Burke is playing. Uh, Josh Richardson, I think, has played extremely poorly for them. And um, I've never really been high on him. I think I, Neither was I. Neither I think he's an I. extremely overrated player. I, I thought he was good on Miami. I remember the rumors of him getting traded for Jimmy Butler, which was insane, man, because that shows you how much your value can go up and then it can plummet. So – I would love to see Dallas make that trade. Mavs fans, you let us know in the comments what you guys think. If you guys think this is a fair trade. Kings fans, you guys let us know if you guys think that the Kings would do this. Um, but we're looking at this from the Mavs perspective. So Mavs fans, let us know. Do you guys think Buddy Hield is enough? Do you think it's worth it? Next up, let's go to another team that was struggling a little bit to start off the year, Caleb. But they have really found their ground. And that's the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Memphis has been dealing with COVID. They missed an entire week and a half of games because of COVID. Um, and they finally played again yesterday. And they played against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, they blew them out the water. It was a 17-point game. And this is against the Spurs team that just recently beat the Bucs. The Spurs are 11-9. But the Grizzlies have now won six in a row. And now they've won seven of their last 10 games. They look good this year. And... They've looked good without Jaron Jackson. That's the crazy part. 
I think you just got to give it to that whole team. They've been playing extremely well, and I, I think they've, they've surprised some teams. A lot of people did not expect Memphis to be as good as they were this year because they were like, well, Jaw's going to get figured out, including me. I said it myself. I said, I think Jaw's going to be a little bit more figured out this year. Did I say he was going to be bad? No, I, I thought he would still have a, a jump, but not as big as a jump as he did have his first year. Now, he's not having a crazy jump, but Jaw's averaging 22 points, eight assists, and all, 22 points, eight assists on only 29 minutes a game. And yeah, he's only played six games this year. But to be fair, a lot of Grizzlies games have gotten canceled. He did go out with that injury, that ankle injury. Um, I believe it was a grade two ankle sprain. And he came back very soon. He came back really fast. So, Caleb, what do you think about this roster? Do you see them continuing the, the path that they're on and, and kind of really getting higher up in the West, maybe better than they did last year? Or do you see them kind of falling back to earth eventually and really being that maybe playing team, like around playoff team to play in team. Well, what we brought up uh, hot shooting whenever we brought Patrick Williams the other day. And one of their rookies is shooting extremely hot. He actually has the best three-point shooting percentage in the league, and that's Desmond Bain. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to how, how much can he keep this up, as well as Xavier Tillman. He's also playing out of his mind, too. Those are two great value rookies that they took, but can they really keep up this performance for a long term? But then again, you got to think whenever they get uh, Triple J back, are they really going to – like, are they going to go backwards? Because that doesn't really hurt your roster. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they could keep it up. I wouldn't be shocked if they can keep it I don't know about going on massive winning streaks, but winning five out of seven most times. I could – you know, I could really see them taking off. I, I'm not I'm not going to bet against it. I, I, I like the way that Moran is playing. I like the way they're getting production out of their rookies. I – I like their roster. Their roster is fun. And it's really young, too. It's a young roster. It's not, like, super old or anything. And they, they're getting a lot of production out of everybody. They are getting a lot of production out of everybody. They did only have one game this week. But uh, some guys that really stepped up, Brandon Clark, I think he's had a really good year this year. Yeah. Kyle Anderson has fit in well. As soon Tomo, as he San Antonio, I was a little concerned how he'd fit, but I think he's done well. I was so big on him whenever he was coming out of UCLA. I thought, like, point forward of the future, kind of like a – a very like slow paced, methodical player, but you know, but it's weird because the Grizzlies welcomed his play style, which is weird because Morant likes to get out and run. He likes to yeah. kind of push it a lot, but then like you bring in Kyle Anderson off the bench and they start, they go from like one of the most fast paced teams in the league to like the slowest paced team. It's a, it's quite the uh, dichotomy there. Whenever you bring in that guy and there's, Whoa, such... you brought up a big word guys. Hey, I, I'm trying, but it's like, it's like two completely different play styles. So you're basically playing two teams a night whenever you go play Memphis, and it's weird. I know it can't be easy to game plan for and stuff. It's I'm a big fan of what they're doing there. They remind me a lot of the Jaeger Kings, but they're really yeah. good at slowing it down. Like mm -hmm. the Kings back then, which was, what, two years ago, yeah. uh, they weren't able to really have any type of half-court offense. Mm -hmm. Memphis, they know how to set up a half-court offense, and they can get out and run. So – you're right. I, I think that roster is really interesting for the fact that they have guys that are really fast. And then you have like guys like Gorgie Jang that isn't yeah. very fast, but he's been playing decent. He's, he's averaging nine points off the bench off of 18 minutes. And a lot of their guys I thought are doing really well. Jaron Jackson coming back. My question to you before we finish off with the Grizzlies, we've mentioned it only six games for John Morant, but he's been playing extremely well. We talked about it, but he only played has he's only played six games. So do you think 
that John Morant deserves to be an all-star if the Grizzlies continue the pace they're at? Or do you think he's already in the all-star category? He should be already balloted. I, I, I just find it hard to really place him as that right now because he's only played those six games. Like, if he if he was playing every game so far, then, yeah, absolutely, I'd say sure, put him in there. But, like, I don't think it's fair to the other players right now to say he's in over them. But – All right, give me your point guards then. We Let's let's do this right now. Why not? We have time. Let's okay, damn. I wouldn't put him in over Steph. Wouldn't put him in over the Dame. Um Chris Paul, while he hasn't been that good this year, he's older. And you know how media and stuff votes in those older players just as like a little sign-off thing. I don't think he'll get in this year. I think Morant is over him. Um, here's one. Here's a question for you. Uh-huh. John Morant or John Wall for All-Star Game this year? That's a tough one, man. I didn't John Wall has the redemption tour. He looks really good. He's redeemed himself. I think they're going to give it to Ja because the NBA likes shiny new objects. They don't really like the older, even if the older guy is playing extremely well. Like you mentioned, with Chris Paul, they could have that sign-off game for him, but I see John Wall probably having a higher chance than Chris Paul. Yeah. But but if you were to tell me over all those guys, man, I'd probably say Ja still makes it over them too. Now here's oh, one I want to ask you. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell gets in over rant. I agree. I agree. And I think that's that's a little bit controversial, but I don't think it's too controversial. Jamal Murray, he's had a rough year, but they are 11 and 8. Do you think he gets in? I would put Morant in over him. I think Morant is more of an exciting player, and I think he's more likable. For some reason, Jamal Murray has this weird thing where fans just – NBA fans don't really vibe well with him, unless you're a Nuggets fan. But, like – a lot of fan bases don't like Murray and he's a very old school style player where like, he doesn't really care about other people's feelings. Like he'll shoot late games. He won't dribble the clock out. He'll, oh, well, we know he doesn't care about other people's yeah. feelings. We've seen and, what he's posted on Instagram. Late oh, at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. But I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't know. I just feel like Jamal isn't the type of guy that's going to get a bunch of media love when it comes to that kind of stuff versus John Morant, I feel like he's going to get a ton of love from media. I would say Morant is over Jamal Murray. Yeah. So looking at those guys, we have Jamal Murray, John Morant, Chris Paul, John Wall, and who am I missing? Obviously, we have Steph and Dame are automatically in. And DeJounte Murray, does he make it? I mean, somebody on the Spurs might have to make it. DeJounte's had a really good year. I just I still, I don't know. I Spurs are never flashy him. enough. I put Morant over him. Okay, so, and he definitely doesn't make it over Luca, right? Like we, yeah. we know Luca's Luka in. Luca so. can be in as a small forward, yeah. I feel like. So he's not really going to be a guard. Depends what they put him in as, but I'd still say if Morant gets in, it'll probably be like one of those last roster spot type things. But I could see him getting in. But it's one of those things where like people are going to bring up, well, he didn't play enough games to really deserve to be in over these guys, but like. You have to understand the NBA is trying to make money back. That's the whole reason we're having an All-Star game this year. They're going to put in, like, the flashy players, the guys that jump high, dunk hard, throw flashy passes and stuff. It's just the way that it's going to have to be, and we'll see. If I had to guess, I would say there's, like, a 
I would give him like a 73% chance. Oh, we need a yes or no. This is not a play the I'm all. giving him a 73% chance he gets in. So that's over 50% chance. So you can take that with what you want. Okay. Well, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say yes as well. If I had to put a percentage, I'd put about 76%. Just so, you know, it's kind of like price is right. I'm going to go right over you. Just so I can't can. believe you would do that. All right, whatever. I'm that guy that would choose 1701 when somebody says 17. That's the type of guy I am. So the hey. worst person. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Let's go to our last one on our super hot fire five. And that is the Brooklyn Nets. Caleb, we know Brooklyn Nets fans hate us because apparently they don't love us enough to watch our videos for whatever reason. I don't know what we did wrong, but they've looked extremely good lately. And we got to give them credit because we were hard on them to start off the year, especially after that Cavs games. They started off two games in a row where they lost as soon as they had Kyrie, KD back, and Harden as well. But they're on a four-game win streak, Caleb. Are, are you seeing the Nets kind of find their rhythm right now? I mean, again, I know it's super early, and, and I know that, yeah, maybe they haven't beaten some great teams, right? Their past week. They beat in Miami without most of their players and they beat the Hawks, which you would hope that they would. And that only was in overtime and they beat the Thunder who are not a good team. They're not a playoff team. So they haven't had any standout games yet, but I think they've still played well. And I think you got to give them credit for the fact that they have won four in a row. Hey, they look, they look good. They look comfortable playing together. Um, I know, they haven't really gotten to all play together that much, but have you seen pictures of James Harden and Kyrie Irving specifically from last game? Just like they look like they're having so much fun playing together. And that's big because Kyrie, I wonder how much you really like basketball at a certain point. You know what I mean? Cause he just kind of like left and fled the scene. Harden didn't look very happy. I mean, he spent all last season partying. He didn't even want to play basketball. And then you see him together out there and Harden has, I think, three triple doubles in eight games for them or something. And he looks very, very, very comfortable out there. Um, they all look like they're comfortable playing together. We mentioned it before in the last, or maybe it was two episodes ago about like the big three Miami heat, how they struggled early on getting the, getting the ball rolling. kind of looks like that's what happened to Brooklyn. And now they're starting to figure it out and starting to get some stuff rolling. It really comes down to getting consistent, production off the rotational guys you know what I mean because you got to have those guys coming and give you something consistently um I think they can Jeff Green shooting like 48 percent from deep or something ridiculous like he's really good this year shooting they look comfortable out there you know what can they what's their ceiling the more I watch Milwaukee the less I'm out like the more I'm out on them um I think they're better than Philadelphia in a series all right, well, the Celtics. I guess it's time to talk about my beloved Celtics. What I predict for the week three and oh, I'm a dumbass. We went one and two. We beat we beat Chicago. Shocker. That team's garbage. That team's toilet water. Then we go to play the San Antonio Spurs. And we're we're doing our thing. We're we're killing it. We're killing it. And then we have the, the third quarter. And then that's where it kind of fell apart. Got blown up. Um, I think we what did we get outscored in that game in that third quarter? It was bad, Amir. Did you watch any of it? Did you watch yeah, any Celtics? Yeah, you guys got blown out 16 points in the third quarter. Sorry, um, Sorry no. It wasn't It wasn't the third quarter. The second quarter. second quarter. God damn it, we look like idiots. Please, we can't do this on live. Imagine if we were on live YouTube right now. All right, go. And then we went to – well, if we were on live YouTube, I'd have a notebook with everything written yeah, down. Yeah, I know. Me too, me too. Anyways, go ahead. So um, then we go to play the Spurs. And, you know, 
First quarter comes by, 30-25, we win. That's okay, standard, right? That's a standard game for us. And then the second quarter came. We lost 36-17. to It's the worst quarter we played this year, Amir. It's the worst one we played this year. And then the third quarter came, and we won 37-21. to So I'm like, okay, we, we probably won. It was just probably a bad quarter, right? Nope. Nope, we lost. And you know what the craziest thing is? Kemba Walker, right? He came back this past week. And, and, I, and I didn't talk about it the previous week because, well, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. He did look decent against Philadelphia, but it's one of those things where adrenaline was high. He was happy to come back, had 19 points. Looked fine, but I didn't want to talk about it and get ahead of myself. Then we play San Antonio, and he has 14 points. Game on the line, he says, okay, it's a tied game. It's Kemba time, right? Jason Tatum's like, I kind of want the ball. Jalen's like, I could take it. And Kemba's like, mm my turn. Dribbles around the side. DeJounte Murray just pokes it, takes it. They win the game. Spurs win, right? And I'm, I'm sitting there in, in disbelief. I'm like, Kemba, you got to at least try. You got to at least try. I was like, okay, whatever. Lakers game coming up. It's his turn. He's going to set the world on fire. He's going to say, hey, you know what? I'm back. This is how I'm going to redeem myself against Lakers. Absolute garbage. One for 12, four points on the night. He was horrific. Um, against the Lakers as well, Jalen and Jason continued their dominance. Combined for 58 points, outscored Anthony Davis and LeBron, that duo. Um, Tatum had 30. Jalen had 28. They looked good. Problem was, they didn't get any help from anyone else. We had two other players scoring double digits, 10 points from Daniel Tice and 10 points from Robert Williams, who, you know, you could make the argument. They only had eight points each. You want to know why, Amir? Because I saw them each tip in a rebound in the Lakers basket. So they scored Four points for the Lakers, and we lost by one. If we had the ability to grab a rebound, we could actually have won that game. And you know what the, you know what the mess, messed up part is? You want to know what the most messed up part is? What? Aaron Neesmith had to come in and play. And I'm like, okay, please just don't screw up. He gets the ball 1.7 seconds into the game. He turns it over. I'm like, I'm, I'm fuming, right? I'm losing my mind. I'm like, please. Then the fourth quarter comes. Marcus Smart, hurt out for the game i'm thinking oh my god i saw him grab his cramp i saw him grab his cap i thought okay maybe it's just a cramp maybe it's just a cramp right that's my maybe and hopeful and then i see a freaking celtics reporter on twitter not verified but they have like 27k followers so you know so i'm like okay what's he saying he says that looks exactly like what happened to kevin durant on the warriors oh twitter doctors of course well he's a celtics writer so i thought okay he's gonna he's gonna at least that means he can automatically die at least be more rational he'd at least be a little bit more rational because he knows he has a huge following instead he puts the whole celtics fan base into a panic and then i'm like oh god marcus is out with with a ruptured achilles that's the worst possible fear and then it came out like in the fourth quarter that was just a, a they were considering a strain. And I was like, okay, strain, strained calf. That's not that bad. We still well, lost. listen to Twitter doctors, Caleb. Hold on. You might be saying, okay, Caleb, then what happened in the fourth quarter? Well, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown took over and they were doing amazing. And then Kemba Walker said, my turn. And I was like, no, please, Kemba, please stop. And he goes, nope, Kemba time. So the last possession, it's a one point game. Yes, I want to break that down. Gets it in the post. Kemba Walker goes in and pokes it loose. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like freaking out. Kemba gets the ball for no reason at all, throws it right to Alex Crusoe with Jalen Brown, like right beside him. And Jalen has to smack the ball and like chase it down in the corner. There's like six seconds left. I'm like, Brad, please call a timeout. Please call a timeout and get the timeout going. And I know you want to talk about should they have called a timeout. 
Well, Jason Tatum was trying to call a timeout. He was signaling to Brad Stevens the timeout thing, and Brad was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then the, the ball found its way to Kemba Walker. Kemba, pump fakes, goes around a guy, step back, mid-range. What do you think is going to happen? I tell I you what I thought. I tell you what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to make it because that's the one shot I trust him with because he ruined my college basketball team's whole entire future with that move. And you know what he does with it? He misses it. He misses it. So back-to-back games, Kemba Walker says, it's Kemba time. And I'm like, please, Kemba, please, stop. Stop. You're losing it. He lost his both games. I'm not getting, you know, I'm not even going to pin that one on him that much because that's more on Brad Stevens not taking the time out when the ball's rolling around the court and there's a bunch of bodies jumping everywhere. But it's just back-to-back games this week were lost in a heartbreaking way. And it's just so upsetting to see, to see, especially like games you're really invested in, right? Like Lakers, Celtics, that's a big rivalry. You're really invested in that as a fan. And then to lose that way, it sucks. But I was super, super, super worried about the Marcus Smart injury. But what they're saying today is two to three weeks. So that's not bad. We dodged a huge bullet there. We've dodged actually two massive bullets because they're reporting uh, Peyton Pritchard had a torn ACL, and that just came out to be a tweaked knee, which is one to two weeks. So please, Celtics writers, please stop jumping to conclusions and just let the actual reports come out. Please, I'm begging you, please. I can't take any more scares. I think you forgot in the finals last year when Anthony Davis went down and every single person said, that's an Achilles. All the Twitter doctors came out. That's how Twitter works. They make me sick. I hate it. Well, I want to talk about some things that you said. So you pretty much gave the entire Celtics rundown and I I can't argue with anything you said there. You called them out on everything. And I will say there are a few things that I do want to ask you about just to clarify. So boy, here we go. Go ahead. Ask away. I think the Celtics played well, right? I think they played extremely well against a very good Lakers team. And I think Brad Stevens put his best foot forward. Now, Caleb, look at that roster. What is Brad Stevens best foot forward against the Los Angeles Lakers? You had Jason Tatum playing 40 minutes. This dude just had COVID and missed two and a half weeks. And less than a week later, he's playing 40 minutes a night. Now, if any of you had COVID, if any of you have had even symptoms of COVID, you understand that playing a game is very hard because you're trying to get your oxygen back. You're trying to get your your, your run back. And Tatum's playing 40 minutes. But why? Do you blame Brad Stevens? No, because look at that roster. The roster construction is toilet water. Jalen Brown played 38 minutes. 38 minutes, yes, he had 28 points, but 38 minutes for Jalen Brown. Daniel Tice playing 35 minutes. And, and there's a reason for that. Tristan Thompson, what's been up with your boy? He had 15 minutes, but he only had one point and five rebounds. Caleb, what's going on with Tristan? He's I know horrific you guys bad. don't He's have much help on the bigs, but what's going on? He can't guard anybody. He can't guard anybody. I talked about it last week with Embiid. Embiid scored a ton of points versus him in the, in the head-to-head matchup, and it's like, please, he, he can't play. I think Robert Williams is the center of the future for the team. I think right now the best option is Daniel Tice. But when Daniel Tice is your best option at center, it's a, it's a little bit of an issue. I, I would like to see, you know, movement and the trade deadline. We have the world – we have the largest TPE in NBA history. Will we use it? I doubt we use it this year. But then we also have a, like, $5.5 million TPE that we got from Ennis Canner getting traded. We should use that on a big man. We should try to find a big man. Now, I understand – 
going budget hunting is a really bad idea because we've tried doing that for the past two years with Tristan Thompson and Ennis Canner. It didn't work out either year. So really budget hunting doesn't work for Danny Ainge finding bigs. But you know what it does work for? The Kings somehow did it. They got Rashawn Holmes. Maybe we use the TPE for him and give you guys like a first or something. It, you can't combine players with the TPE. You can only combine picks with the TPE. So it would be something like that. But you got to figure out something because the center rotation we have now, it won't work. It's not going to work in the playoffs. Well, we brought it up last week on our podcast. And shout out to all the Celtics and Kings fans. They really showed out. We got over 500 views on our trade request of Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes for the TPE and a first-round pick, as well as Tristan Thompson. Now, I look at that roster again, Caleb. Yes, I, I brought up Tristan Thompson, and we talked about Tice, right? Tice playing 35 minutes. It's very excessive. It's a little out of line, but they don't have a choice. Now, is that their issue? No. My issue is this. I just brought it up. Jason Tatum is playing 40 minutes, Caleb. Jalen Brown's playing 38 minutes. If these guys are averaging 38, 39, 40 minutes a night, someone's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get out with an injury. Somebody's going to not have energy when it comes playoff time. You need that wing depth. And right now, you guys have absolutely no wing depth. You guys don't have depth at all. You brought it up. You only had two players in double digits against the Spurs. This game, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who have combined 58 points. Where else do they get the help from? Tice, Daniel Tice had 14 points, man. Like, that's a little bit too much asking from him. He's not an offensive guy. Kemba Walker with four points. That's very disappointing. Obviously, Marcus Smart got hurt. Um, and Robert Williams, you're expecting Robert Williams to be the only guy in double digits. You're going to have a lot of problems there. So I, right now, that, that depth is the problem for them. You guys need some wing depth. You cannot leave Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on an island. We desperately need Romeo Langford back. I know you're not that high on him, but listen, Romeo is really good defensively. Plus, you know what he does? He spells Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown from playing 40 minutes a game. Romeo has a 102.2 defensive rating. Do you understand how good that is? His offensive rating is a 111. He has a net rating of 8.6. He's a very good role player. Now, the thing is, can he come in and be a consistently good player in year two? Playing, what, he only played like 30 games last year. Can he come in and be that? We don't know, but it, we have to get him back and at least find out because right now we cannot have Jalen and Jason out there playing 40 minutes a game. It won't, it won't work. It won't last. It won't, and you're right with that. And I want to go back to that last possession. So for those of you that haven't watched the last possession, we'll clip it right here. Davis knocked away by Walker and stolen. Walker has it ahead to Brown. Brown holds on to it. Six seconds remaining. Ogilvy, Walker fakes. Walker puts it up. Won't go. Tyson to follow it misses. And the Lakers hold on to win. What a wild sequence to finish it off. And the Celtics had golden opportunity there, but it's the Lakers who get the victory here in Boston. There's that last possession. And I want to ask a few questions on it. So Caleb mentioned that Brad Stevens should have called timeout. And here's where it gets a little tricky, Caleb, is as a coach, as soon as Kemba steals that ball, one, bam, what was the first mistake Kemba made? By passing it ahead to Jalen, who was covered like a glove. By that Alex was a Curtis. horrible pass. It made no sense why you're passing that. They didn't need to do that. There was, what, 13 yeah. seconds on the yeah, shot? There was 13 seconds. Just grab it, contain it, and get ready to set up a possession or something. Don't force it. If Jalen was wide open, sure, throw it then. But Caruso's right on him. Are you blind? Okay, so that's the first mistake. And right there, immediately, as soon as that happens, if Brad Stevens calls a timeout when Kemba Walker steals it, 
You already know what happens, Caleb. All of Celtics Twitter is harassing him and attacking him for why would you call a timeout? We had a fast break. You could have just blah, 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 blah. So whatever. And I don't think he's worried about that. But again, as a coach, when you see your best opportunity being a fast break, what happens in a fast break with the last 10 seconds, Caleb? The other team just panics. They freak out. They're not set up on defense. When you call that timeout, what happens? The team sets up on defense. They can set up. But I'd rather them set up than have Kemba Walker take the last shot. Okay. Well, you brought that up. So – Jalen Brown bobbled the ball, right? And as soon as that happened, you could say, oh, probably call a timeout right there. Why did Brad Stevens not? Who was coming up right on that wing? Sammy Ojale. Sammy Ojale was wide open at the three. He could have taken it. He said no, kicks it out to Kemba. Kemba drives it, takes a step back shot on Dennis Schroeder, which again, we talked about, this is Kemba's patented shot. This is the one that broke Caleb's heart. Yeah. And he was mid-range. Like, it wasn't even mid-range. I would say it was more close-range than mid-range. Yeah. He got the room. He got the separation over Dennis Shooter, not a tall guy, not a good defender, over a short point guard. He had all the room he had, all the space he needed. He had the shot he wanted, and he just missed. And that's – if you're a coach, that's the absolute best shot you were going to get. You think they would have gotten a better shot? Now, I understand. Do you want Kemba Walker shooting that, or do you want Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? You want Tatum. My issue was – Jason Tatum, you said, was doing this. What he should have been doing was running his ass down the floor. No, I'm sorry. He should have been getting to like, go get your ass down the floor. But it's like, come on, man. You, you should no. not be walking up the floor. No. You could have Brad taken Stevens, Brad Stevens is an after-timeout genius, right? We know he would have drawn up something to get a good shot. He should have taken the timeout. Now you know what we have? We have an extra timeout heading into the next game. Oh, wait, it doesn't work like that. So we just list out on the timeout. I'm not going to get too much into it. Why don't you get and talk about your Sacramento Kings? Hmm? Didn't they have some trouble this week? Oh, no, they didn't. All right, well, we're not going to go into straight into the Kings yet, Caleb. I need you to relax. We're going to finish it off with our Celtics weekly preview. And this week, they start off on Tuesday night playing against your Golden State Warriors in San Francisco. Golden State Warriors? I hate the Golden State Warriors. Win or loss, Caleb? Loss. If we only have Jason and Jalen playing 40 minutes and Kevin's playing that horrible and Marcus is out, we don't have any depth, how are we going to win? I'm going to win. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have an even better game, and I'm sure Brad Stevens is going to bounce back and, and have them play 43 minutes instead of 38 and 40. Sacramento Kings on a back-to-back. Your Sacramento Kings, win or loss? Loss. Because every single year we have that one game oh, against you guys. Stop every, it. Year, every year. What is it? The past four years we've lost a game to you guys. It's going to happen again. We don't have any depth. Okay. We don't have any depth, and Kevin's playing like a blind squirrel. I'm going win again. I, I don't see you guys losing that one. Yeah, we might be able to sneak one in because it's a back-to-back, but I just feel like you guys won't lose to us. I don't know. I, I don't see it happening, but I, I could potentially see a loss. However, I'm going 2-0 and on the week. Um, and then the Clippers on Friday, win or loss? Loss. And I'm you know what sucks? Friday. I won't be able to watch that game. Why? Because that's Friday night. I'm going to be in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Caleb's going to be in Cleveland. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. I'm going to go loss as well. I think you guys are going to lose that one because you'll win your first two games of the week, and then the Clippers have been playing extremely well. So I'm going to go loss. I want to switch my Kings prediction. I'm going to give us one win on the week. I'm going to say one and two. Of course, you choose the Kings, idiot. Last one of the week on Sunday, 11 a.m. game, kind of a weird time, Um, and it's 11 a.m. Pacific. So That's that's so weird to me that you have to wait – like. For me, it's two o'clock. Like that's a normal time, but like an eleven a.m. game is so—it's so weird to me. 
but that's the thing. I hate it. I've been to Kings games where it's been at 12 o'clock, and I swear to God, I'm I'm as sleepy Joe as it can get. No, wait. For Raider games, whenever it's ten, whenever it's one o'clock here, it's ten a.m. there for you. Yes, that's why I don't wake oh my up. God, like that'd be horrible. Gosh, dang it. Anyways, the Phoenix Suns on Sunday, win or loss. We're both ten and eight as of now. Um, hmm. Come on, have some faith in your team. I'm gonna say win. I'm gonna say we split two and two on the week. I'm going to win as well. I go two and two on the week. Um, I think you guys will. I think actually no, I didn't say two and two. Um. I'm going to go win as well. I think you guys will go three and one on the week. And I predicted you guys to go two and one last week. You guys went one and two. But I think you guys will end up winning the game. Next up, let's go to our Kings corner. Sacramento Kings have had a very good week. If you look at it from the fact that, hey, they beat an Orlando Magic team. They beat a Toronto Raptors team that has been playing really well. And yes, they did lose to the Miami Heat, but that was in a one-point heartbreaker. They were one shot away, Caleb, from winning three games this week and being 3-0 on the week. I want to recap some things from this week. De'Aaron Fox has been an absolute stud. His shooting has looked a lot better. His three-point shooting has looked much, much better, especially from the preseason where he was struggling a lot. Um, I'm very excited from what I'm seeing from De'Aaron. I didn't think that his shooting would improve as much as it is, but he's done a really good job. So that's one thing I, I definitely want to point out. Um, another guy that has played really well, Caleb, is Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald had 29 points against the Orlando Magic. Um, against the Toronto Raptors, he had 22 points. And against the Miami Heat last night, um, he had 18 points. So, again, I think a lot of what you're seeing now is Buddy finding his rhythm and his shot's finally falling. That's huge for Buddy Hill because he has been struggling a lot this year, Caleb. Mm-hmm. And I really do like him. I like him coming out, you know, finding his role, finding something to get going. We mentioned him earlier as a trade candidate for the Mavericks, but, you know, I, the Celtics, we have a TP. I wouldn't be against it. We need shooting. And, he get, yeah, and he's a wing. He can play wing depth. Like, that could be big for us. I'm just saying, Danny, I don't know if you're watching, but you should listen to our podcast. We throw out great ideas. You should really think about it. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten more views than Danny Ainge's probably ever gotten eyes laid on him in, in his life. The Kings have played well, though, Caleb, and they have looked surprisingly good. They were one shot away from a four-game win streak, and like I said, going 3-0 on the week. What do you think right now with the Kings? Now, I have some trouble with the Kings because of what's been going on, and we're going to get to uh, the whole Marvin Bagley situation, which – Seems to be a weekly thing. God damn it. Why? Why does this happen to us? Why does this only happen to Kings fans? I don't know. Um, but we're going to get to Marvin in a second. Buddy and Harrison have been playing really, really well. Rashawn Holmes has been playing really well. Those are three guys, Caleb, that have been playing, I think, exceptional this year. Harrison started off really strong. And then, as I mentioned last week, he had about four out of five games where he was playing mediocre. I mean, he's found it back. He's found his rhythm back. Again, against Orlando, he had 21 points, four assists, five rebounds. Then against the Raptors, he was going insane. He had 26 points, seven rebounds, five assists. And then last night against Miami, he didn't play so well, but he did a good job defensively on Jimmy Butler. He had 11 points, three rounds, and two assists. But I thought he did a decent job. What do you think right now the Kings should do? Now, I look at the Kings, right, and – to me, we're in that 
mediocre purgatory, that draft purgatory where I don't know where the Kings are going to end up. We're eight and 11 right now. They're what a game out from the playoffs. We have a better record than the Dallas Mavericks right now, which again, these are outlier numbers. I don't believe that's going to stay the case two months from now, but that's how it is right now. And, and we have a better record than the Miami heat. So when you see these things, what do you think the Kings should do? I, I look at that roster right now and I have trouble seeing guys like Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes playing so well and not getting traded because I don't know if they're the future of this team. They're, they're not the future of this team. And that's 60% of your starting lineup, Caleb. So what do you do right now if you're Monty McNair? Do you keep going and, and allow what's happening and just allow them to play well and, and hope that you can maybe make a playoff spot? Or do you see what you can get out of them. I mean, I know that Monty's trying to see what he can get out of Harrison and Buddy eventually, but is it too late to wait for the trade deadline? That's really where I'm asking. I just think that now it's one of those things where you guys are close to the playoffs. Like you said, like a game out or something. You Do you make the push for it? Because I think like what you said, it's kind of too late to really – I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because this draft is deep. Like there's a lot of talent in this draft. But at the same time, you guys are really close to the playoffs. And for a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in a really long time, for a first-year GM going into that situation, it would mean so much to a lot of the fans. Like, I understand it. Be, it definitely long-term success, way smarter to tank this year, right? We know this. But short-term, getting the love and, you know what I mean, the commitment from the fan base to push them to the playoffs in year one, it would do a lot for him and a lot for the trust amongst the fans. But at the same time, it's just smarter long-term to tank and get that top pick. But at the same time, I don't think that you guys are bad enough to really get that. And I think with where you guys are sitting, maybe pushing for the playoffs is a smart move. You guys were close two years ago. And a lot of people thought that last year you guys were going to get that spot, but it didn't happen. You guys are right there. You guys have been right there for the past two years. Maybe Monty sees that and says, you know what? I got to make the move now and push for it. Maybe he does, or maybe he says it's smarter just to tank and try to get a better pick. For me personally, if I'm Monty McNair and I'm heading into that GM room and I'm saying, look, we're a game out of the playoffs. We Like, say this is trade deadline. You guys are still a game out. Say he walks in there and says, I can't trade away the guys. I got to make the push for the playoffs now. Maybe you guys are buyers at the deadline, or maybe you guys aren't in, entirely sellers, but you guys maybe move one of Holmes, Barnes, somebody. But I don't think it'll be like a complete three of the three of the five starters are going to be gone. You know what I mean? Like it might be one player gone. Yeah, I don't think all of them will be gone. But you did mention by the trade deadline. Now, if the Kings make a push this year, I think that's a big mistake, and I don't see the Kings doing that. Because of the fact that right now, yes, they have been winning some games, but a lot of their games have been against the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. against struggling teams. Yeah, they beat teams like Toronto, um, and they've beaten teams like, what, the Knicks? Um, they beat Denver early on in the year, but we're not seeing that same team. And the Kings definitely look a lot better. I will say that. They have improved. Um, they look kind of like they have closer to the beginning of the year. But still, that team has a lot of, you know, like a lot of holes in their team right and to me keeping Harrison keeping Buddy is is very hard because it's like you don't need to make a playoff push there's no point to it right now 
you have both those guys are not in the future. Buddy Hield is not in the future. Harrison Barnes is not in the future. I feel like Monty McNair is going to want his own guy in the draft, just like he wanted Tyrese Halliburton. And right now, Tyrese, speaking of him, he has been playing very well, and I wanted to get to him, Caleb. Uh, the past week, he played – yes. Let's throw out the idea that maybe Monty McNair is a really good drafting GM. Right. Let's throw out that idea. Let's throw out the idea that you guys don't really need to tank to get a top player in the class. Then what's the decision? You know what I mean? Like maybe he's confident that next year he can find exact same value later lottery or early or like late teens. Maybe he thinks that his best way is maybe let the roster ride out and draft wherever he lands. Cause he did that last year and he walked away with a guy who's a top three rookie this year. Yeah, that is true. But I will say, I wouldn't put too much weight into one draft, right? And it's not one entire draft. I mean, we haven't seen much of Jemias Ramsey and Robert Woodard. They both get sent to the G League, um, which is good for them. I, I want to see them develop. I do. I want teams to use the G League more often. Yeah, I do wish that they were able to play some minutes with the Kings because I think keeping guys like Justin James, um, may, maybe Kyle Guy is, is decent, but like keeping those guys, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, it's tough. I, I think it's, it's very hard to rely on one guy. And that's why I want to get into Tyrese Halliburton, Caleb, because this past week, he hasn't been at his best, to say the least. Against Orlando, he was three for 11. He had seven points, one for four from three, two rebounds, seven assists. Um, the assist numbers are there, so that's good. But the shooting numbers are struggling. Against Toronto, he had 10 points. He shot four of 10, one for seven from three. But that one shot that he hit was the dagger. Uh, he had six points and 11, six rebounds, 11 assists, and a steal and a block. And then against Miami, he had 10 points, four of 10 again, two for seven from the three, seven rebounds, six assists. So his assist numbers are up there. He's averaging about eight, nine assists a game in the past week. But that three point is not looking good, Caleb. Right now, he's four for 18. So he, he, I don't know if this is just a rookie slump. What do you want? What do you think is going on with Tyrese right now? Do you think Tyrese has been slowly figured out and he's going to start to struggle? Or do you just think, hey, you know, he's a rookie. Every rookie struggles. And right now he's just, he's not even struggling on the defensive end. He's not struggling with rebounding and assist. It's just the shooting the ball. He, he's not, you know, he's not going to be a Steph Curry like in his first year where, where is the problem in him right now or do you even not see a problem I don't really see a problem I think it's more or less just he's been on fire to start and he's kind of slowing down kind of I think you know when it comes to the NBA there's a lot of traveling right and I think through like the first 20 games the player can make through with the whole traveling thing and his body's not really used to it so at a certain point kind of starts to slow down and hit a rookie wall I think that's what it hit right now but I don't think it's anything concerning like I don't think I lose my mind and say oh my gosh what's wrong with him because it's just I think it's just a rookie wall I think Jalen Brown hit it Jason Tatum hit it a bunch of rookies hit it it's just something that happens to rookies they don't they're not used to the travel of the NBA well I want to ask you this because apparently this is a hot topic around NBA Twitter right now and especially with Nick's Twitter Caleb my question to you did the Kings make a mistake drafting Tyrese Halliburton over Emmanuel quickly? Listen, I'm going to say no. And I, and I don't care if Tyrese is putting up, I mean, if uh, quickly's putting up 25 a game, 
there was way too much of space from where those two were drafted that you can't really get upset with it. Now I'm going to say something that's not comparable at all, but like the Celtics drafted Gershon Yabuselli at 16 and Siakam went at 27. And people were like, Celtics should have took Siakam. It's like, listen, there's way too big of a gap in between. Like if it was two spots, sure, I'll get upset about it. But it's one of those things where you can't get upset. And it's not like Tyrese's ass. He's a really good player. Like he's playing good. I, I personally, I think that argument's stupid. I think it's kind of petty by Knicks fans to bring it up. Because you guys are bringing it up saying that they shouldn't have drafted Obi, they should have drafted Tyrese. And then Nick Stram's like, no, we should have, you guys should have drafted Tyrese, you guys should have drafted quickly and not Tyrese. It's like, well, now let's be realistic here. If the Kings walked away with quickly on draft night, they were the laughing stock of the league. Everyone's like, they drafted him that early. So personally, I don't put too much stock into that. I think both of you guys made the right picks for where you guys were at. And you guys should both be happy. I, it's just weird to me that they're bringing that up. It's, it's very odd. I agree, and I wanted to bring that up just because, yeah, well, I think Emmanuel Quickly's played very well, uh, and he's, he's played extremely well lately. You know, he's dropped 25 points in his last two games, and he's had a 30-point game, which I don't believe a rookie's even had this year. But I will say, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself with rookies. A lot of them haven't played much, and a lot of them haven't played a summer league, um, and this is a very, very different circumstance for a lot of rookies this year. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself. As of right now, I still think, I still believe that Tyrese Halliburton has the best overall game compared to him. Defensively, rebounding, assists, just a lot of aspects. I think efficiency um, and just IQ, I, I think he's the better player. Now, who's the better scorer? Emmanuel Quickly, sure. But we've seen a lot of point guards that can score the ball. We've seen Dennis Smith Jr. was really good out of his first year to score the ball. Now, he wasn't the most efficient, but he was able to put up 25 a night. He was able to put up 30 points some games. And right now, I think it's a little too excessive to kind of put way too much stock into one guy. And, and that's why even with Tyrese Halliburton, I don't want to put too much stock into him. I think he's going to be really, really good in the future. But I don't want to lean one way or another on either of these guys because mm -hmm. we've all seen it. A rookie can play really good. A rookie can look really good, especially on bad teams. And then as their career progresses, they're not that same type of guy. Michael Carter-Williams, Tyreek Evans. I mean, we've seen it a bunch. You don't have to call out Kings guys. Like, you could have said anyone else. But his rookie season was very, very good. Very fun. Yes, that was the most fun, as I mentioned, the most fun I've ever had as a Kings fan. So that's my depression. How sad is that, guys? Pour one out for Amir. That is so sad that his highlight of his Kings fandom is watching Tyreek Evans win Rookie of the Year. Moving on. The weekly review, Caleb, Kings versus Pelicans. I'm going to go loss because the Kings have looked good, and I think the Pelicans are looking a lot better. They just beat the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Pelicans as well. Celtics, you already mentioned that. I said loss. You said the Celtics would win, so we're both going loss on this. Okay, Denver. We play Denver on Saturday at 2 p.m., I'm going to go with you guys are going to win. I just, I, for some reason, you guys, it feels like you guys always play Denver pretty good. And I'm going to go win. I think we beat them twice to start off the year. And Mike Malone's not going to let that happen. Denver was not very good then. And I think they'll give us a little smacking. I mean, then a back-to-back -back against the Clippers on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to go with a loss. Yeah, I'm going with loss as well. I think I'll switch my Pelicans pick and I'll go with win there. I'm going one and three on the week. I don't think they're going to win much this week. And even if they beat that 
game against the, even if they win against the Pelicans, I think that's huge. I don't even see them winning that. Caleb, what do you have them going on the week? You have them going what one and three as well? Yeah, one and three. All right. Moving on, let's go to our favorite segment, Caleb. Buy or sell. First up, I want to ask you with relating to the Washington Wizards. Now, there's been a lot of rumors lately. Warriors Twitter has been talking about it. I've seen some writers on the Warriors saying that they want to get Bradley Beal, giving up some trade offers. I know the Celtics have been interested in him in a while. And I know a lot of teams right now want him. Miami's been interested. Buy or sell, the Wizards need to trade Bradley Beal ASAP. I'm going to buy from the fandom standpoint of I don't want Bradley Beal to waste his career in Washington. I want him out of there. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, the post-game stuff. Every single game scores 40 points. Camera zooms in on him on the bench with his head down, hands over his eyes. Like, he's, he's in pain. He doesn't want to be there anymore. He's, he's upset, as he should be. And then people always start the, well, that's his fault for signing the contract extension. It's like, listen, man, it's very common now with the whole Rose Rule thing and the whole – max contract thing i'm perfectly fine with a player signing a max contract extension and then trying to force his way out to earn the most money possible right perfectly fine with that i'll never question a player for doing that and in, in pro sports specifically you know teams will ship you out at the drop of a hat if you're not performing well enough so i'm all for players getting the absolute max money they can get it, it's just how i feel so am i mad at bill for signing that contract extension absolutely not should he try to get out of there Absolutely. He should try to go to a team that wants to win. They traded away John Wall for Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook looks horrific this year. And can he get better? Westbrook? No, he, he can't. He's not. He's done. I think this is his wall. I think he's in a decline now. And I think this is just his career slope is just going to go downhill now. That's just what I feel. Should he go? Yes. I'm going to go buy that they should sell, that they should trade him. I'm going to go buy as well. We mentioned it. He has been absolutely depressed, and I feel bad for the guy because last year he got snubbed from the All-Star game because his teammates sucked. He had nobody. I was at a game against the Wizards and the Kings, and Bradley Beal had 42 that night. He was taken over. His only help was Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans is nowhere to be found this year. I don't even know where he is. Caleb, where is he? He's in Washington. No, he's not. I haven't seen him play. He played. Well, he's not playing good. He's playing like garbage. I just think that everybody on that team is playing like garbage. They're misusing Denny of Dia. They're kind of just wasting his career. I'm afraid that that's just going to make him look horrible. It's not bad. He's shooting like 49% from deep, but they don't know how to use him. Scott Brooks is a horrible coach. They don't, the roster, when you look at the roster on paper, you would say first inning, like they look like a decent team, but then it's like in the Eastern conference, right? Yeah. But then you watch him play and you're like, is anybody going to do anything except Bill? And then Russell Westbrook's like, give me the ball. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Then he shoots it from half court and smacks it off the top of the backboard. And people are like, oh, shit. Good job, Russ. And he's like, thanks. And then he runs full speed up the court, fouls somebody, and then looks at the ref and goes, what? It's like, please, Russell, you're losing it. You don't have it anymore. Russell Westbrook got mad at babies in the bubble for no reason. He was yelling at babies. I know. He turned around and looked looked at LeBron's three-year-old daughter and says, what? And he's like, what? Russell, what are you doing? That's a girl. It's a little baby girl. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. He's like yelling. It's like, Russell, please. You're embarrassing yourself. Russell Westbrook has embarrassed himself this year. I feel bad for Bradley Beal. We talked about it with how depressed he was. He didn't defend his teammate. 
he looked at John Wall like, man, I wish I was playing with you still. I wish my dumbass team didn't trade for you, didn't trade you away because we got this idiot who's the most inefficient shot chucker. And oh my God, as he fell off a cliff, I think Russell Westbrook's fall has been one of the biggest interesting, like most interesting stories, right? A lot of us thought he would fall off, but this hard, this fast, that's, it's a little crazy. I get it, the injuries and stuff. But yeah, Bradley Beal needs help. Caleb, now here's the real question. Where should Bradley Beal go? We've seen the Warriors trade rumors for James Wiseman. And we've seen it for the Minnesota pick. We've seen it to Miami for guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Where do you see him fitting in? And where where do you think he should go? Miami. I think Miami's really I think Miami's like a good fit for him. I think he would do well in Miami. He'd fit well in that culture because that culture is very defensive minded. Then you bring him in. And he, he can play better defense than Tyler Hero. I, I'm confident in that. Um, I think he would just fit better. That really nets you much more trading away a guy. And I get it. Bradley Beal is much better than Tyler Hero. But Tyler Hero is young. And I think Tyler Hero has a bright future ahead. Are you caught up on the word potential? No. no. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you are. You said he has a bright future. All right. Scratch that. I never said that. What I really meant was Tyler Hero's already played really good. Forget potential. He's played really good. He's already looking very good. Now, if you're getting him for Duncan Robinson and, and a bunch of first rounders, absolutely make that deal. Because the way that Houston got all those first rounders, if you can do that and give up a bunch of first rounders and not have to give up anything like Brooklyn did, then I would say do that. But if you have to give up Tyler Hero, if you have to give up Bam, it doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't do that. And that's why I don't see Miami as a fit. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, Boston, maybe. I think his best bet is going to the Celtics. I think Boston should trade all their picks. Marcus Smart. And, I mean, do you guys have anyone else? The problem is Boston, and we talked about this. I talked about they this with Caleb Boston doesn't have any depth. Who are they going to trade? Caleb was mad because he said, how come when other teams being – are involved in trades. It's always Karis LeVert, or it's always Tyler Hero, or it's always Duncan Robinson. But then when we're in a trade, it's always Jason or Jalen. It's always our two best players. It's always the, the best young duo in the league. They want to get rid of one of them. Everybody always wants one. And that's because, and I tried to explain this to Caleb, they don't have depth. Who else are they going to trade? They don't have anybody. Nobody wants Semi Ojeley. Do the Bucks have picks? No. Do the Heat have picks? They do. They have one, but it's going to be a late-round pick. Does Philadelphia have picks? No, they traded it away without Horford to get him off the books. Do the Nets have picks? No, they don't have picks. Do the Celtics have picks? Yeah, all of their picks. Now, will Danny Ainge shell over picks? No. We know Danny Ainge won't trade picks. You're out of your damn mind if you think he's going to trade picks. He he won't trade picks. I just don't see us really making a move for him because I don't think he's going to want to give up Jalen or Jason, which I'm fine with. There's an argument that Jalen's been better than Bill because he's been playing all NBA-level defense. Do I agree with that? Maybe, maybe, because Jalen is averaging 27, 28 points per game. But it comes down to the fact that we need depth. And rather than make a move for a star, I'd rather make a move for depth. We need depth really, really bad. I think you guys need another wing. And you say picks, right? But the thing is, a lot of teams don't just want picks. Yes, Houston took all those picks. But how many times do you see that? Like I said, most of the Milwaukee time. Milwaukee did it. Milwaukee did it, and they took Eric Bledsoe. We might as well give him Kemba Walker. That's the same thing. Milwaukee, please do not talk about that franchise. They trade away everything they could for Drew Holiday just so then they could keep Giannis happy. And they're about to be the biggest disappointment in the East. So 
We'll see where Bradley Beal goes. I'm definitely interested. Let us know in the comments where you guys think he should go and where you guys think he will go. Next up on our buy or sell, speaking of the Bucks, Caleb, I just mentioned them about how dumb they are. Buy or sell, are the Bucks in trouble? I'm going to purchase that. They don't look like they're able to find footing at all trying to get traction upward. They can't do it. Like they just keep losing these bad games. I'm going to go see them in Cleveland on Friday. If they lose to the Cavaliers, they are in big trouble because we know Brooklyn lost to the Cavaliers, but here's the problem. Milwaukee cannot beat bad teams. They can't do it. And they're starting to struggle with good teams and it's not looking good. What are they on the year? 11 and eight. Yeah. Yeah. And they have struggled. They've lost to teams like the Spurs, the Pelicans. They've not looked good. It's a big problem. And I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I don't like the way they look so far. I didn't like the trade from the beginning. I didn't like the fact that they wanted to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. Imagine, imagine this, Caleb, alternate reality. They traded for Bogdan and Drew Holiday. Bogdan goes out with the knee injury. They're still 11 and 8, and they have absolutely no cap space. And they lost Dante DiVincenzo, who has been one of the better players. Mm-hmm. How bad would Milwaukee have been? They're already in a bad position. Their GM... I believe is John Hurst. I don't think he has a clue of what he's doing. I think he's just trying to keep Giannis happy. And at this point, yes, Giannis has played well. Yes, Giannis has been an MVP type player, but Giannis is not even an MVP favorite this year. Why? Because the Bucks don't look good. They just don't look good. They're 11 and eight. That's not good. They finished top in the NBA for the past two years, not just the East. They've been at the top of the league for the past two years and they just don't look good this year. So the Bucks got to do something. I don't know what they can do though, Caleb. They don't have picks anymore. What what are they able to do to fix that team? Not much. Just gonna have to get everyone to. It's one of those things where you're just gonna have to coach everybody up because you don't have any assets to really trade. Maybe you can package together a bunch of bench pieces and kind of consolidate it all into one really good bench player. But at that point, what what are you hoping to get back? Because a good team's not gonna trade away a good bench player. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of yeah. shit out of luck. You kind of just have to coach everybody up. That roster, just I thought we, we talked about it. We thought their roster was good. We thought their roster was deep. But mm-hmm. we're not talking about top heavy. And that's where they really have that. Problem. I also didn't expect them to be giving Giannis's older brother minutes over freaking Tory Craig. And like I thought for, yeah. oh, oh, over Tory Craig? He's also getting minutes over Bryn Forbes. Yeah, it's not ideal that Giannis is on Teddy Kumbo is getting any minutes, really. He should be there just strictly to keep Giannis happy. Well, I think that's why he's there, but apparently they think that he needs minutes. So the Bucks, you guys got a problem. It's not in Houston anymore. Last one, Caleb. Let's go to the game winner. Six seconds left. Tap to the Blazers. Loose ball to Lillard. A three for the win. Oh, oh! my goodness. There's that game winning shot from Dame Dalla, Damian Lillard, Caleb. How do you feel about Damian Lillard this year? He's been really well. He's played really good, um, but they have struggled with some injuries. CJ's been out. Nurkic just got hurt. It seems like Terry Stotts has this problem every year with injuries. Buy or sell, does Damian Lillard carry Portland to the playoffs this year? Purchasing that. um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to bring him back to the playoffs. It just feels like he's a staple in the playoffs. He's just one of those players where he's always going to be there. They're 10 and 8. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is stepping up a lot. I know Carmelo is kind of having 
it's kind of reaching that point where it's a good game here, bad game, good game, bad game. It's kind of like bouncing back and forth, but I think he'll figure it out. He's a veteran. Eventually he'll find his footing, but I like what they did. I like Terry Stotts a lot. I really do. I understand people don't like him that much, but I really like him. I think he's a good head coach. Um, yeah, I think they make the playoffs. I'm going to buy that. This is a tough one for me because when CJ got hurt right after Nurkic got hurt, I felt so bad because CJ was having an all-star year. CJ was playing really, really good. He was playing out of his mind. and He would have made the all-star game. I think he would have. And But right now, it's just Dame. And one thing I will say, like you said, Gary Trent Jr., he's stepped up big time. He has been the counterpart to Dame right now when Dame needs somebody else. Another guy, can we talk about him? The young Fernie Simons. I thought Fernie Simons has been playing really, really good. And he doesn't get much minutes because of the fact that they have so much talent at the point guard and the guard and position in general. But Fernie's played good. And I, I think this is a huge, huge step for him for the fact that CJ's out. They don't have a good backup point guard. He is their only really backup. And Dame is not going to be able to play 40 minutes a night. Right now, he's averaging 36.3 minutes a night. Now, can you boost that up anymore? Yeah, maybe like a minute or two. But do you want to risk Dame getting injured? Because if Dame gets hurt, you know who's going to be the first to go. It's going to be Terry Stotts. And you just mentioned it. I love Terry Stotts. I think he's a hell of a coach. But right now, if somebody's in that hot seat, if somebody is going to make a change, it's going to be on their coach. Some people may look at it as a roster. I mean, I don't see them trading CJ. Like, do you see them wanting to trade CJ? I don't, I don't see that happening because CJ no, just no. had an all-star year and he just, I could hit. see them. I could see them trading away Robert Covington. Cause he's like the one player on that team that has been very bad this year. Like he but has what not do you been get for him. He's, he has a 7.29 PER. That's the lowest, the second lowest on the team. And another guy who's been really bad is Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's averaging three points a game. And I know he's played, you know, uh, uh, 16 minutes a game and he's coming off an injury, but his PER is the lowest on the team. He's a 5.24. That's not good, man. Their wing depth is not good. And I don't see what they can even get for either of those guys. That's the problem with Portland is it's kind of like a Milwaukee situation. You said you have guys where you just need to coach them. Like you need, you got to hope and pray that Robert Covington plays better because if not, what are they going to get out of him? What can they get for Robert Covington right now? Nothing. You just gave up a first-round pick for him. You ain't getting that back. Um, I'd like to see them give Nazir Little a little bit of a playing time. I think mm-hmm. they drafted him, what, 15th, two years ago? I'd like to see him kind of get some rotational minutes and just see what you have with him because he can't be any worse than Rodney Hood and freaking um, Robert Covington. Like He can't be worse. He can't. There's no way. If he is worse, then congrats, you drafted a bust, but I don't know, man. That team, it needs coached up. And that's, I think Terry Stotts can do it. I think they'll get into the playoffs, but it's just the same thing we say every year. What, what's their play? What's their ceiling? Conference finals, maybe. Doubtful with second round. It's just, I don't think they're a championship team, but I, I know they're a playoff team. Yeah, I think they'll make the playoffs, especially with CJ coming back. Probably not soon, but I think by the time he comes back, Dame will do enough to keep them. All right, Caleb, um, I want to ask you who your player of the week is because I have a certain player of the week, and this player isn't just any player. He's a rookie. And my player of the week is LaMelo. Quickly. Oh, you're going LaMelo. Okay, I'm going quickly. Wow, we both chose rookies. All right, I want to go first. LaMelo Ball, man, I am very, very excited from what I've seen out of LaMelo. LaMelo is looking like a true leader right now. This is the best we've seen of him, and we brought it up last week. Is what James Borrego doing the right thing? 
and we said we don't know we did like the fact that James Borrego is putting him on the spot that he wants him to to be the best of himself and and he he really wanted to see what LaMelo can do instead of just allowing LaMelo to to you know go out there mess up not care and just consistently play that way James Borrego is not that style he's a coach that comes from the Popovich coaching tree he wants the best out of his players he wants his players to actually improve right and LaMelo's played really well this week I thought you know two games against the Pacers his first game he didn't play so well he only played 22 minutes but he had eight points four rebounds five assists second game against the Pacers they beat him he had 16 points on seven of 13 shooting and his only misses were all from three over six from the three-point line which I'll take that. If he's struggling from the three-point line, that's okay because that's one game. That's an outlier. Six rebounds a game, seven assists, two steals that game. He played well, and then we got to talk about it. Your beloved Milwaukee Bucks, he dropped 27 points. My beloved Milwaukee Bucks? I don't like the Milwaukee Bucks. He had 27 points on eight of 10 shooting killed, two for three from the three-point line, five rebounds, nine assists, four steals. I thought he played really good against that Bucks team, and they – Pulled it out with the win. Um, the night before against the Pacers, we talked about the game-winning play that he had where he threw it off of Sabonis' back to end the game. And that's, again, a high IQ play by a guy who's only 19 years old, a guy who is still developing, who's still learning. LaMelo Ball, that's my player of the week. I'm excited to see what he has done. He's my rookie of the week for sure, but he's absolutely my player of the week. Caleb, who's yours? I already said it was Emmanuel quickly. I love the way he's playing. I, I do. I think his floater game – see, because my problem is I watch Jeff Teague, and his floaters are like the worst I've ever seen. So then whenever I watch Emmanuel quickly, I'm like, wow, this is art. This is what art is supposed to look like. Very, He looks very composed. Short playmaking is a little bit to be desired there, but he's shooting good percentages. He doesn't really need the ball. He doesn't really need the ball in his hands to be effective. He can score off the ball and everything, and I think that's massive. And – especially for the Knicks because RJ Barrett, I think needs a ball in his hands more. Julius Randle is basically a point forward for them, which love or hate he's a high usage player. So you just kind of have to deal with it. Very high usage. Um, yes. So it's one of those situations, but when I watch them, I watch quickly and I'm like, damn, like he had back-to-back 25 point games, which is very good. Three rebounds, three assists today. And then you watch, you, you see he um, he's now second in the league in rookie scoring, which can he win rookie of the year? I don't know. If Can he keep this up for the whole year? I don't know, but the Knicks should be very happy they walked away with at least one good first-round pick because they botched the first first-round pick. So you're saying your player of the week isn't Obi Toppin? No, it's not Mr. Four Points Per Game, No Neck, I had asked. It's uh, it's actually Emmanuel Quickly. I, I really like the way he plays. Amir, did you watch so him you play? think Emmanuel Quickly is better than Killian Hayes? Yeah, is Walter wet? Yeah, he's better. Than- Come on! I love the way he plays. I love it. He's, he's a very smooth player. I really like watching him. When he played the Celtics, he had 17 and 8. And I was like, okay, damn. I didn't know he was doing this. Yeah, I think Emmanuel quickly has played really well. And that's why I wanted to bring him up earlier because I think he's a guy that has really improved already. He started off the year. He didn't get as much minutes. Um, and he's really picked it up, especially playing under Tom Thibodeau, the guy who hates young guys is playing Emmanuel quickly. So anyone that wants to bring up excuses about Obi, Caleb, I would tell them, can we please just look at uh, Emmanuel quickly? Because if Tom Thibodeau hates rookies so much, why is Emmanuel quickly getting 30 minutes tonight? Hmm, I would love to know. Because Alfred Payton's legit ass water. You know what's funny? Alfred Payton, when Alfred Payton played in Orlando, he was like that 
14 points, six assists, eight rebounds kind of player every single night. And people are like, nah, he's like a triple-double watch like every single night. And when Orlando traded him to Phoenix for a second-round pick, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Orlando got nothing back. He's like a future all-star point guard. He is horrific. And I'm happy that people started to wake up and realize that he's the most empty stats player ever. Okay, why? This is the player of the week. You don't need to hate on somebody. I'm bashing this guy because I never liked Alfred Payton, and I'm happy that he's getting exposed. Scrub ass. This is the same guy that thinks Dennis Smith Jr. should return to the G League. The guy who freaking sucks. He is going to return to the G League. Yeah, because he sucks. Imagine being like, yeah, I can't get minutes on the Knicks, so let me go to the G League Knicks. That's how bad he is. So what? He's he's man enough to admit it. Okay. It doesn't mean he's ever going to be good. He's also man enough to admit that he should be in China soon. Wow, that's racist. Oh, is there <laughs> All right, move on, Caleb. What do you want to talk about this week? Boneless, boneless wings. What you want to talk about? The boneless wings. Listen, I, I sit down a platter in front of you. I say, here, here's some drums, some flats, some boneless wings. What are you reaching for first? I'm going for the boneless. Boneless everything. Exactly. And tell me why you're going for the boneless. Tell me why you're going for the boneless. Okay, so here's my thing, right? You get a bone in, right? First of all, if you have flats, right, I, I can't even talk to you because there's no even comparison. Drums are a million times significantly better than flats. If you want a flat, you might as well be a three-year-old. You might as well go to McDonald's and get some chicken nuggets. And I know people talk about boneless wings or chicken nuggets, but let's be real. You haven't had real chicken nuggets then. You haven't had real good wings because boneless wings are the elite wing by far. And here's why, Caleb. Because when you have a boneless wing, do you need a bite out of it? No. Do you need to freaking nibble on the outside of it and make sure that you have... You look like a caveman if you eat off a bone and wing. It's it's something that you shouldn't have to do. It's like you're holding a drumstick like this. Like, relax! We're civilized humans! You don't need to do that! At least with a boneless wing, you can eat the whole thing. With a bone, yeah. you're like, oh, I have to have this piece. You got to rip it off, and then you got a freaking bone, and then you, you have a bone in your mouth, and you spit it out, and then you can actually choke on it. And then You, you look like a caveman. Just so you know, people that eat like that, or they do like the flats, they rip it apart, and they eat it like this, and they... You look like a caveman. You look ridiculous. I can't believe people like bone in. I, I don't get it, Caleb. What is this? And we put a poll up on the Dimers podcast page. You guys can go check it out. Um, the poll actually expired, so it's too late to vote on it. But you can let us know. Please DM us. Please send us tweets about what you feel about boneless and bone in. Because I don't get it, Caleb. I, I just don't know what's the infatuation with bone in. I don't know. And you know what people say? People are like, oh, we look like cavemen eating, eating bone in wings. You look like a child eating boneless wings. Those are just chicken nuggets. Like, okay, people eat chicken nuggets. I could, I could go through your receipts and I can find you getting chicken nuggets from McDonald's or Wendy's at least once in the past three months. And they'll be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's a yes, you eat them. So stop trying to put people down for eating boneless wings. It's what men eat. Men eat boneless wings. Well, you don't have to make this a gender thing, Kev. We, uh, if you notice, majority of our audience is women. So please. You, you, you gotta have some respect for the for the women out there who are supporting us and are holding it down for us. Please. Women are amazing. Women can eat whatever they want. They so they can't have. They, they can I have bet to- you women. I bet you women like boneless wings too because they know that it's a smarter thing. And you know how women are definitely smarter than men. They definitely go for boneless wings. That's common sense. We had a tweet that almost ratioed our whole poll that said boneless wings don't exist. It's just a way for children to feel like they're eating wings and not chicken nuggets. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. Matthew, if you're watching this, 
special episode we finally got to episode 20 we've been lying the past four weeks about what episode we're on but we figured it out technically we should be on like what by our count 26 or something i said last week that this is gonna be special episode number 23 for the mickey but we're not even close to that yet well and once again thanks for tuning in um we'll be back again next week on thursday for a special midweek update some some fun stuff that's happened in the NBA. We haven't had a chance to really do uh, two podcasts a week lately because of the fact that you know we had COVID and it can't spread COVID to me. Well, we might even be we might even do an episode on Wednesday night, like a quick little Kings Celtics recap. Yeah, I actually do want to bring that up. We are going to start doing Kings and Celtics recaps after every game. So um, it'll be about five to ten minute video max. Um, and yeah, and hopefully Caleb will be up even after the Kings games because we'll do it real quick. We'll make it like five, 10 minutes. We won't make it too long because we understand that we're not trying to sit here and talk for 30 minutes about a game. Um, and then, hey, maybe Friday night, maybe next Friday night, we record a episode from my hotel room and I can, and I'll have a bunch of pictures to show you guys about what it's like going to an NBA game during COVID because a lot of arenas aren't welcoming fans, but Cleveland is. And I'm going to drive out and go to a game. Wish me luck. I think we're going to do that. We'll see what Caleb's schedule is. We might have a special episode ready for you guys midweek. But if we can, we'll, we'll boost that in another episode. And we'll do an episode special of what it's like to go to an NBA game. I'll give my perspective pre-COVID because I'm lucky enough to be a second of King season to go. I don't know if that's lucky. That's kind of like sadistic. It's kind of a curse. It's more of a curse than anything. It's a sadistic, you know, whatever. I'm not talking about that. Anyways, thanks again. We'll see you guys next week. Tell Caleb he has fun. If you guys can't let him know what you want, um, we're going to have Caleb have cards that say Dimers Podcast. He's going to be giving out to the fans. He's also bringing out a t-shirt launcher. So um, if he gets arrested, it's your guys' fault. It's not my fault. I'm not taking blame. So just check out the podcast. Tell your aunts and uncles about it, too. I don't know if they even like basketball. If you even have aunts and uncles, but tell them about it. What about their grandma? We told them on the first episode to tell their grandmas. Absolutely tell your grandmas. Tell your grandma, and then she'll tell your whole entire family. That's how grandmas work. You tell them one thing, and the whole entire family knows about it within 10 minutes. Tell your grandma. It'd be massive for the podcast. It would be massive. And one thing that's massive is... What? It's Caleb. Enough, enough. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks again. See you next week. Peace. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. The way he was crying. You're a grown man. Get it together, Dan. Please. Okay, here we go. John Gooden running up the. Hey, Justin. He's like. Oh, I'm getting picked first. He's like, hey, what's up? Go to jail. (laughs) I just want to get healthy. Okay, 
Please, can we focus? Oh, oh. There you go.